All right, we're rolling. We're the Rolling Stones, as they say. Welcome back to the Admissions Uncovered podcast with me, Michael, and your other host, Dominic Indy. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about fly-in programs and generally visiting schools. We'll talk about what a fly-in program is, how you can get one, what a typical fly-in program is like, and most importantly, how you can take advantage of your limited time at that school. Uh, And uh, we have some experience with this because all of us have visited schools before. Uh, I did fly-in programs when I was a high school senior, and Ni actually went to a fly-in program just this past month. Now, as the only one here that hasn't been on a fly-in program specifically, the only experience I have is just visiting campuses during the summer for either scout events or local ones. For those of you who went, what is a typical fly-in program? So, as the name states, it's a fly-in program in which you are... very, very deep. (laughs) Truly insightful. Think about it. So, what you do is... A fly-in program, program. you fly into it. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Okay, hold up. I'm getting somewhere. So you basically, schools will have these programs called flying programs where you can apply and they'll pay for for you to go visit their school for usually two to three days or even four days. And you'll go, you get to learn more about the schools. They host a bunch of activities. And most of the fly-ins have anywhere from around like the ones I've been on have about like 60 people and they come from states all over the U.S. So There are kids from California, Colorado, Florida. So the school just basically brings all these students together to their school. And it's an opportunity for them to learn more about the school, see if they want to apply or not. And also just in general, get advice on um, college admissions, financial aid. So it's really a learning experience. And it's an all expenses a trip that where they pay all of your expenses, so you get free food, free living, and you get to miss school for three to four days. So if you're interested in any of that, you really should apply for a fly-in program. All right, so now that we kind of know what a fly-in program is, how are you able to get to go to one? A lot of fly-in programs are application-based and they're merit-based applications, so you oftentimes have to write kind of a different type of college type essay. It doesn't need to be as good as your Common App one does, but it needs to be fairly good. Many times these flying programs will be aimed towards specific populations that may to some people not be considered that merit-based. So a lot of flying programs are diversity programs. They try to recruit low-income minorities from Title I schools because those are the type of people who wouldn't have had the opportunity otherwise to visit the school. And even if you don't typically fall so if you fall under those categories you should definitely be looking into those but even if you don't oftentimes you can apply and sometimes they'll let you in because sometimes they just say it's recommended toward low-income minorities but you can still apply and see what happens and a lot of these fly-in programs are also looking for diversity not just in the sense like the minority and like ethnic diversity they're also looking for diversity in states, so maybe if not that many students apply from X state, though they'll want more people from that state to apply to their flying program because these programs are a way for schools to learn more about you, but also for you to learn more about the schools. So they're really looking to have a kind of well-rounded group um, going to visit their schools. Yeah, you, you should honestly think about this as kind of a recruiting event. 
probably most of you listening to this podcast are not athletes um, and are probably not getting recruited for sports anywhere. Um, if you are, congratulations. Good for you. I'm going to throw out a random guess here and say that's probably not the majority of our audience. This is kind of like a very similar experience where you're kind of wooed into going to the school or at the very least applying to the school. So they're very nice to you. They're not going to say bad things to you. They treat you well. The food is better than usual. It's higher than average because (laughs) they want to impress you. Um, So there's a bunch of like very cool things there that will make you feel happy, I guess, because they'll treat you right. Also, these flying programs are generally during the fall semester of your senior year. So it's a chance for you to, like, while you're building your college list, really see which schools, um, which type of schools you like. So maybe you, you'll you go on to fly into a small liberal arts school and you kind of can get a sense if this is the right vibe or environment, even if it's not specifically for that school. But just in general, like, those types of schools. And you get to see if you feel comfortable there, if you like it there, or if you kind of want to, to look at another school. Because I know you can read all you want online about this school and all these majors, what they have, how, their student body size. But you r- can't really get a feel for if you like it or not unless you visit it and interact with the students and go to classes. Do you truly kind of find which environment you're most comfortable in? Yeah, so I think the one big difference here is that between a fly-in and kind of just like visiting the school is typically fly-in programs will have you stay overnight with a host at the school who's actually a student at the school, and you'll be able to kind of live in the life of a student. Obviously, it'll be a little varnished because they want to impress you and they don't want you to, you know, think the school is crappy. Like, they hide the crappy parts of the school for the weekend. But I think it is very different from just visiting the school and going on like a 30-minute tour and looking on the outsides of the buildings because you don't have the student ID to get inside the buildings, right? So oftentimes that is something that's really different uh, from just visiting schools. So Dominic, I know you've been to college campuses before, uh, whether it's like Boy Scouts or just like whatever. Um, How did you feel just like strolling through the campus? Did you learn anything just by being on campus? Yeah, you can definitely learn a lot about a school just by being on the campus, I think. Uh, one thing I first picked up is just the, the size of some of these campuses. For example, Michigan State University uh, was one of the first colleges, college campuses I went to in 2015 for a scout event. And I mean, it was a 15,000 person event and they had enough dorm rooms for everybody plus some extra. It was a lot larger than a normal school, but I think that it kind of gave me that big school feeling So when I'm applying for schools, I kind of know what that's going to be like. One thing I can do is look up the student body of Michigan State University and compare it to another one. Uh, This past summer, I went to Indiana University for another scout event, and it's a smaller campus, and that kind of gave me that contrast in size. Also, the type of buildings, you can compare different campuses with their buildings. A lot of these are pretty similar, so you have that typical Ivy League look, right, Michael? Mm Mm-hmm. And then there's also the newer look of schools found sort of on the West Coast and also newer institutions. So a lot of these schools are pretty similar in the way they're built and laid out. And I think if you just visit a few schools, that's something that you can learn about them. Also visiting more local schools. So for our UIL competitions, which is academic competition meets for those of you outside of Texas, uh, we go to... (laughs) We go to a, a Baylor University for 
the regional competition. And that was another way to experience that and be in the classrooms taking the tests. And then also SMU, which is local for me, going to basketball games there. And then my parents going there, I also have that experience. So oftentimes, a lot of the most people will not be going on these types of pre-planned fly-in programs. They'll probably be like you, Dominic, just like strolling through campus for whatever reason, whether it's like an academic competition or just you're there for whatever reason. So do you have any thoughts about the things that you've taken away from those campuses that are essential um, or other things that you would have liked to take away from your kind of um, informal visits that you didn't? Yeah, one thing that I remember from this summer, it's kind of a funny story to throw on the podcast. Mm. While I was at Indiana University, it was a bit later in August, so right before school started, and they were already starting campus tours. And some of my friends were going to a, <laughs> a sports competition that they had and somehow got lost and joined a uh, college tour group. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. And they learned a lot about Indiana University. Interesting. <laughs> that day. So uh, that's that was one way. I think beyond learning about the way the campus is laid out and the structure that I already talked about, I don't think there was much to learn. The one appeal I think there is to fly-in programs you can't get almost anywhere else is that student experience. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit inflated like we've already talked about, but I think staying in the dorm room and being a student and going to the different classes, which I think is really important, learning what type of instruction they have and what they have to offer as far as your collegiate learning and how much of a step up it is from what you're learning in high school. I think that's really beneficial. And I don't know any other way to get that other than doing a immersive Mm -hmm. program, like a fly-in. Yeah. So I agree with Dominic. Like, well, the thing that we're saying it's inflated, I don't think on the fly-in I went to, I really saw that because it's funny. Sometimes, um, so the only, no, you won't really know. No, like, you you know, No, I'm talking about, like, classes-wise, because I'm saying, so they wouldn't even, so the only way they could really know if we were a high school student and they called us, um, Prosby's, like, prospective students, is if we were- they do that. Is if we were the, the lanyard, right? So if you took your lanyard off, a lot of times, I know me and my friends, we got mistaken for actual, like, college freshmen or something like that, so you can just go in or fly and sit in a classroom, they gave us the schedule, you can just sit in- and really see what it is like to be a student within that classroom. So I know I sat in a OCHEM class, and it was really interesting. Like, the professor um, was really good. Like, he was jumping all around on the desk. He had, like, a projector on the wall. So it was really high up. Crazy chemistry professor. So he would jump on the... I wonder who said that. He would jump on the lab table, right? (laughs) And he had a huge stick that he would use to, like, point up on the projector. So it's just really interesting to see, like, different teachers and how, like, college professors teach, I guess, even though, like, all of them are different for sure. But I think the most useful thing about fly-ins that you, as Dominic said, can't really get from campus tours is talking to the students. Because, as Michael stated, we do stay with the hosts for, I think I stayed with them for, like, three nights. And you really get to ask them any question you want because there aren't really, like, adults or Um, people around to supervise them so it's very like unfiltered conversations you can ask them honestly about what student life is like if you had um questions if you're afraid you won't fit in because like going to the northeast and then being from texas you're gonna be like oh how am i supposed to survive um this insane weather i mean michael can probably speak to this but it's really interesting that's true yeah to see the conversations that you have with them 
and usually you'll stay with freshmen like college freshmen so they're really the ones that are just like you they've only been there for like two months so you can really ask them how they've adapted how they feel at the school what's kind of like what schools they were deciding between like why did they pick this school and um just like the pros and cons of going to the school and I think that was really useful like helpful because whenever you talk to like admissions counselors they there's like certain things that they can't speak to I guess yeah or like maybe they didn't even go there and they're not an alumni so they can't really speak to the student experience that actual college students can yeah it's like let's be real here if you ask an admissions officer about drugs on campus, they're going to have a very, very different story than if you ask a real student. Because, you know, the admissions officers are employees of the school. They kind of have to say stick with the party line. They have to, you know, speak as if parents were there constantly watching. Whereas when you talk to a real student, you know, they're going to have rules and constraints. But most of the time, they're not going to follow them. From my experience, at least. Um <laughs> I mean, as for as for the stuff we were talking about before about whether like it's inflated or not, uh, I think it depends on for the class experience at least. It's going to depend on the uh, the flying program. I remember when I went to UT's Forty Acres Scholar Finalist Weekend, we did uh, some class visits, and they did it very officially. So we had one person who was in the class take a group of us there and it was very apparent that we were not in the class because it was kind of like a small seminar setting right so we made a ruckus of trying to find seats (laughs) together and like asking people to move around and the professor the professor was very nice the professor came and like shook all of our hands um and so it was like very clear it was a little bit different but i think you still get some of the feel one thing that is for sure going to be inflated is the food the food is always inflated I feel like if you ask anybody the food at the school, they'll be like, wow, you guys need to come more often because now the food's actually edible. Hey, but the school I went to, they've been ranked number one for food. So no, the food's Columbia's pretty good. Number one no, food well, not this no. year. No, the past no. years they were. No, 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 no. This year, Columbia is number one. No, I know. I said I, they're okay, number two. Okay. We get it, Michael. They're okay. number two this year, I but for the past that. years. Okay, okay. <clears throat> Yeah, I guess Columbia must have beat them. Mm. Wow. The year I thing... got to Columbia, I mean, I'm not drawing <laughs> correlations or anything like that. <laughs> uh, one thing we've kind of incidentally been going around is the the types of schools that offer these flying programs. Yeah. So I know you, you said there are certain finalists weekends that will fly you in, yeah. but just the you know application flying programs, what are some schools that either you've been to or just that you know about? Uh, that our listeners could look into for a flying program. Yeah, so I think a lot of the flying programs, definitely the smaller liberal arts schools, will have a lot of flying programs. So I know like mm-hmm. Pomona, Swarthmore, um, Bowdoin, Bates, they all have flying programs. But also um, bigger universities, like I know Penn had one, U Chicago has one, uh, Columbia has one. Rice has one. Columbia only has one for engineering. Really? Yeah, it's just for engineering. Mm-hmm. So I think quite a few, like a range, wide range of schools will offer these flying programs. But for sure not, I would say like the majority probably don't offer flying programs. Yeah, I mean, a few to add on that list is Carleton, uh, Reed College. 
Oh, Vassar, Colgate. Um, Vassar. Yeah, that's good. These, those are good ones to mention. Uh, MIT actually has one. That's oh, yeah. a diversity mm-hmm. program. I think Emory does too, but don't quote me on that one. Um, but yeah, you kind of get a picture of a few. And we'll we'll stick some of those links in yeah. the... If I, if I can find a list of them, they'll definitely be in yeah. the show notes mm-hmm. under the podcast. Yeah. And one thing to keep in mind, usually the deadlines for the flying programs that are like early on um, during the fall semester are usually over the summer. So if you're interested um, in applying for a flying program and you're a junior, you should look into them during the summer because a lot of the deadlines um, will be during the summer. So you don't want to like walk into the first day of school and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to apply to all these flying programs. But all their deadlines have passed. So, Um, I mean, it's also worth noting that even if you miss a deadline, there are often opportunities where you can still visit a school and Mm -hmm. stay with a freshman. Sometimes the admissions office uh, sets those types of things up. Now, obviously, it won't be programmed up. You won't get kind of the special treatment of being kind of the star recruit uh, for the school or whatever. (laughs) Um, But it's still that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you might even be able to get a free trip out of it, depending on how you play your cards. But also, another thing about flying programs is that you'll be able to... um, You get to meet a lot of people from like as i said like all over the u.s and usually a lot of these students will have similar interests to you because like hey they applied to this flying program so you really get to see like going beyond your school because i know like going to tag it's so small and you see this like the same people it's kind of nice to get i guess be in a different environment and meet all these people see i guess just like interacting with them because i found out like a lot of them were very big on like diversity and all that very i don't know it's just something yeah. different i feel like um so when you went to your flying program knee what types of questions did you make sure to ask and what things did you kind of learn um well so i asked a lot of my questions mainly to the host i was staying with i stayed with mm-hmm. three freshmen and what i was really focused on learning was just the student kind of what student life was like because i know going to a school in the northeast there's definitely not going to be as much diversity as you'll find coming from texas right so i just kind of i don't know i don't know i don't Um, okay at least we're smaller liberal arts liberal arts colleges yeah yeah yeah. so at like so at smaller liberal arts colleges especially like ones in maine or something like that you don't get as much diversity as um say going to school in um in texas right so i just wanted to ask what i asked was just kind of um how they dealt with that like did they feel that it was a problem was it anything that um concerned them because i know a lot of people for some reason the like diversity kept coming up and they were kind of worried that they weren't like if you wanted to get diversity you would have to join like a certain um student group like the asian students association or the latin american student organization so just asking them if they felt that that was a problem or anything, um, because I think it's really important, like going to like a good and competitive school is one thing, but also the vibe of the student body is also important. Yeah, and I, I mean, just like to list some questions, I think I I asked a lot. Um, one, I was always very concerned about frat and like Greek life, I guess in general, just because of all the stereotypes that I think come up with it. So that's something I always asked. Um, sports 
were a question I asked, like, are sports a big thing? Because if they were, that is a problem for me because I don't follow sports. And, oh, gosh, you know, you're the first person. I don't person. know. I don't. I want sports. That's the thing you about, but that's the thing about, like, liberal arts schools. You're going to get D3 sports yeah, teams. Yeah, yeah. So if you're big yeah, on sports, um, uh, maybe a liberal arts college is maybe not for you. Oh, yeah. Or you might be able to make the team. Who knows? And play other D3 schools. <laughs> you know, it's a thing. Um, it is, it is. Um, I, I mean, let me think of other questions. I mean, I remember always asking about, like, drugs and stuff. Um, oh, I, I was that kid. I mean, I asked about... Trying to get drugs, <laughs> Yeah, that's tough. Any of that Adderall? That's oh, definitely. God. Or, uh, what's that's up? Definitely. Um, College apps had some late nights, I don't know. Okay. No, no, no. I guess you can before also ask. Take out of context. You might I did not. Cl- yeah, clarify I did that. Not. Yeah, before, before. Why were you asking if there were uh, a prevalence of drugs? No, I just like wanted to make sure that not everybody was a stoner on campus. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that's that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going for. There. He was looking <laughs> out for you. You know, just to clarify. He wasn't looking for a campus oh, with drugs. This is this is gonna get taken out of context in the future. It's gonna be bad. Yes, okay. one of these days we'll use it against Michael. <laughs> the plot again. or one of our audience Powers members you know editing. never know i know they'll blackmail us they'll be like have um, us on the guest the podcast as a guest or else i'll take this out of context okay. and ruin but also back movies. to questions oh i know i asked a lot about uh what it's like just like teachers kind of yeah uh, majors like could you major across um or like could you like I guess, like, what you wanted to study, are you free to kind of lay out your own curriculum? Of course, like, you can find some of those things online, but really asking the students, like, what they're studying and how that's working out. And then also learning, like, little tips about, like, when to use your pass-fail or stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Another question I asked, kind of, like, spinning off of that is what are your relationships with teachers like? Mm -hmm. Because I know one thing that I really cared about coming into this process was being able to go up to a teacher and and just like ask questions. I just wanted to hear about like their experience with his office hours typically. Yeah. The answers I got were kind of lame. For example, uh, I got an answer that's like, I've never been to office hours before, which was not what I was looking (laughs) for. But, you know, sometimes you get some good stories out of it. And obviously this is not a systematic statistical study of access to professors in office hours but i do feel yeah. like there's something to these anecdotal stories they, they do have value to me mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if one kid was able to do it and one kid was like it's actually fairly easy to do it then i'm going to trust the kid who actually goes to the school versus you know some vague stereotypes about i don't know like ivy league institutions like they always have or big schools hours. yeah yeah I think another good question to ask is the balance between their schoolwork and then also what Mm -hmm. else they're able to do on campus. Very good. Obviously, you don't want to go pull one anecdotal story from the kid you're staying in the dorm with that's majoring in three different things in all different disciplines. But if you're able to talk to a few different students, I think that's something else to consider. You know, you don't want to – maybe you do. But I don't want to go to college and just work the whole time. I want to get that college experience and learn from the people that I'm going to school with. Mm, and you know what I that think... means. Hint, hint. What? I don't. But <laughs> okay. I don't know, Michael. Um, but just just like Michael has been talking to us about Columbia, Michael 
might not be the stereotypical Columbia student. So I'm what like, is that supposed to mean? What to is that to. supposed to mean? But I can definitely pull. Hang on. His, his answer to those questions. What is that supposed to mean, <laughs> Dominic? I don't know other Columbia students. Wow. So how do I know that you're the run of the mill Columbia student, Michael? You're right. I'm not the run. More Columbia than likely Columbia not. See, so don't take all of your impressions just from. Michael, I'm a run of the Michael Columbia student. Okay, no. Okay. Anyways, okay. Uh, uh, moving on. Besides just asking questions to students and our teachers and our admissions officers, what else do you want to do on that campus and taking advantage of your time? So, kind of related to your question, but I'm saying we didn't really mention things you can kind of do off campus. Because, like, when you go to a fly-in, of course, you're going to really see the school, all the teachers and experience, all of that. But also a part of co- your college experience should be kind of the city or town that the school is located in. So if you really think you really like the urban feel, like, big city, then if you go on a fly-in to Columbia or something like that, you can kind of experience what is, like, there. But for a smaller liberal arts school that's usually located in a very small town you can kind of get a feel and go around and see like oh if i were a student here what would i be doing on the weekends um how easy would it be to get to places like what's the nearest airport and stuff like that because those are also like important things you need to think about because if you go to a school in the middle of nowhere it more than likely will take you like five or six hours just to get back home or at least that much so i think that was also important that the town that that the school is in had things to do. I could, um, I don't know, take a bus or something like one or two hours and get to a big city if I didn't necessarily want to go to school in a big city. So I think it's really important the facilities um, around the school is just as important as the school itself, I think. Yeah, I remember on my New York school swing after I got in, so when I visited Fordham and Columbia, I spent, I think, the afternoon after Fordham in chinatown and walking around like the financial district area and it was just like a kind of cool thing to do because i was i've never been to well i had i had been to new york city before to do a columbia visit but i had never been alone without my dad just like wandering around with friends um (laughs) just like doing oh michael it's different his first night in town oh look at that growing up so fast um, but yeah, like I agree, I agree. Especially if you, especially if you are doing like a Columbia fly-in or visiting Columbia, New York City is pretty cool. So don't forget about New York City. Now that we've talked about what a typical fly-in program is like and what you should take advantage of while you're there, since we have two people that have done fly-in programs in the past and just visited college, many colleges in general, I'd like to get their experiences from that, and I'm sure the listeners would like that as well, Michael and Nee. So could one of you start off? with your fly-in slash campus visit stories? I've only been to one fly-in program, so I'm just basing all my answers off of that one experience. But from the- It was for Boyden, right? For Bowden. 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 That's how you pronounce it. I was really surprised. So we, at the beginning, we got a schedule of kind of mapping out the four days of what we're going to do. And I realized, like, we had so much free time. They basically- we had, like, one or two mandatory meetings that lasted, like, 45 minutes. This is, like, one of them to talk to the um, president of the college and the other one to talk to, like, the dean of admissions. But then other than that, legit, the person that planned the whole flying was like, 
all right, go, do whatever you want. As long as you show up to the meeting, you're good. And then we just went off and did whatever we wanted. So I know I spent some time in my um, host's dorm talking, like, as I said, asking all those questions. And then since we had, like, a group of people, we kind of went exploring around the campus. Um, They had this thing called Super Snacks, which is, like, basically um, during the weekend the school opens up its cafeteria from like 11.30 p.m. to 1 a.m. where they just basically serve snacks and everyone just goes out there and eats. This is why freshman 15 is a thing, and I swear it's freshman 30 now, but... Um, no, it's the college at 15. <laughs> there was, Okay, I swear it's a fly-in 15 because we ate so much food. It was insane. Um, what is that? And then we had time to go to classes... I even went on a campus tour for the heck of it. There was... And then, actually, the big thing is that the fly-in was not... Like, they didn't host extra events for us, really. It's It was that they um, they allowed us to go to the events that the school w- um, was already having. And we happened to go Thursday and Friday. And Thursday nights are when they have a bunch of events. Because most of the school, there aren't really classes on Fridays. So I got to go to... Um, a boba mixer. Yes, I'm very, boba. I'm very Asian. So I went to a boba mixer. We went to um, a lasso party, which is hosted by the Latin American Student Association um, organization. What else? They had a per. Um, they had speakers come speak. They had what else was there? It's just like these like little events here and there that the students put on because they have so many organizations in college. So, oh, there was, like, a tea, like, a tea club. Um, they had, like, a cookies thing where, like, we all made cookies. So, it's really just, like, going to all those activities. And I think that's the best part about the flying. Like, you feel like you're a student there because you're able to participate in all these activities. And, like, as I said, like, most of, most of the time, they don't even know you're a pr- prospective student. So, you really get the student feel, um, which is what I really got from the my flying. Yeah, I went to a whole bunch of these types of things. Um, not not fly-ins before I applied. I think I just went to... I actually just went to uh, Swarthmore for that one. I went to a lot of the visits after I got in, um, where I just kind of like cold emailed some admissions offices and was like, hey, do you think you could help out and pay for my flight out or whatever? And a lot of them were actually very receptive. So I think I, you know, I repeat this a lot, but when you're in that position take advantage of it and never be afraid to ask for things because the worst thing it say is like no they're not going to rescind your <laughs> you know acceptance because you were like hey i want to go to your school can you help me out here please so yeah. like so never michael never, rejected yeah like never be afraid to do that because the it's, it's only upside it's only free trips um or not free trips i guess one <laughs> Okay, so I have I have I so I have two. One is that just like a stupid travel story. Um I went to a fly-in program at Vanderbilt, uh but the flight out of DFW, Dallas Airport, Dallas Fort Worth International Airport, <laughs> was at 6 a.m. in the morning and we kind of overslept. I remember. Oh yeah. You guys oh, do. Yeah. I remember hmm. this. <laughs> Michael we overslept some alarms. Um, we. By we, I mean me. By we, I mean me. My mom, too, <laughs> but, you know. Right, way to blame your mom, Michael. Well, she also wasn't that excited about me going to Vanderbilt, so she might have allowed the alarms to lapse. <laughs> uh, 
Um, anyways, anyways. Um, so we, I missed the 6 a.m. flight. And so I was rolled over on standby to the 8 p.m. 8 a.m. flight. Missed that one. And I finally managed to get on the noon flight to Nashville. And by the time I got there, it was like 3 p.m. And I was scheduled to leave at 8 p.m. <laughs> so basically, I just had like five hours at Vanderbilt's campus. And obviously, I didn't learn that much about it. Um, and Vanderbilt does it kind of weird. They don't have it overnight. It's just kind of like a one day, one and done type thing. Um, but it was kind of cool because I like talked to some students and did a tour on campus. They have a really nice campus. Buildings look cool. Um, but yeah, that one wasn't the most um, useful or informative one. Also, another thing about fly-ins is that most fly-ins, you won't get a direct flight from wherever you're going. So generally they have a... Well, that's not true. I, well, not for your type of fly-ins, but most of like the organized fly-ins and not the ones where you're like, hey, hook me up with a free flight, right? Um, so they'll tend to like the first day... I remember the first day everyone showed up at like random times. So some people showed up at 10 a.m. because like they took a bus from Massachusetts in like two hours. Some people showed up at 10 p.m. because they flew from some. Oh, some kid came. A kid came from Alaska. A kid came from Hawaii. So they showed up at completely random times. Um, but as a flight, Hawaii to me. Yeah. Um, but it's just really interesting just going back to, um, to seeing all these people. A lo- it was re- it's re- it was really weird, though. A lot of them kept talking about, like, IB versus AP, and I was like, um, okay, but sure. I don't know, that was just a weird thing that's I realized. A, that's a big deal in most public schools, not our public yeah. schools. Yeah, no, but, like, yeah, I never, like, realized that, and it goes back to you're taken out of your environment, I guess. I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've mentioned my love of like airlines and the airline industry and frequent flyer miles yet. (laughs) Um, But a few pro tips here. Okay. Number one, um, it's actually a good thing if you don't get a direct flight, because if you get a stopover, it counts as more award miles just because it's typically a little out of the way. Plus it'll help you when you're trying to get status uh, with an airline, depending on how much you fly um, your second semester senior year. Um, Oh, and also as, as, as for like, if you get a direct flight or not, it mostly depends on the location of the school. If it's um, Boyden, is that how you pronounce it? Bowden, right? If it's Bowden, then it's not going to be a direct flight because that's in Maine. But most of the schools I went to were all direct because DFW is a very big airport. And I was flying to, like, what, Pennsylvania for Penn and Swarthmore or Philadelphia. Huge uh, American Airlines hubs. That was an easy one. Um, The one I did have to make a stopover in in Charlotte uh, is Charlottesville for the UVA program. I was went to their Jefferson Scholarship finals weekend. And that was another one that was really cool because... Uh, UVA is a really good school, public school, and they, the Jefferson Foundation does a really good job of actually doing the recruiting. Like, the point of this event is to get you to come to their school, so they really lavish you. Like, you go to so many fancy dinners at a lot of these scholarship events, it's very nice. So, pro tip, apply to a bunch of scholarships, just in case their fly-in programs are nice. Now, one thing that's probably on people's minds that hopefully you two can help answer... Uh, 
do you know kind of the correlation between acceptance to a flying program because a lot of these have applications um, and maybe helping and demonstrated interest or possibly even helping you get into the school? Well, um, yeah, this is actually a question I had. And I remember one of the students actually straight up asked um, the admissions counselor and it was kind of like the answer I ex- expected them to give. So she was talking about how when you get into fly-in and you apply, they kind of get another aspect of you through your application. So it just adds to your application if you decide to apply um, later on. But she kept saying that... Sounds a lot like a... Yeah, but she kept saying that... From episode 25. And All right. you can find that episode at bit.ly slash aupod25. Wow, so smooth. Very smooth. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we should get a potty for that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'll, I'll link the, uh, the SNL yeah. skit. <laughs> but um, anyways, but the thing that she kept um, emphasizing was that just because you get into flying doesn't mean that you'll get accepted to the school. Or if, or they kept saying that just because you get into flying, your chances of getting accepted um, isn't any higher than anyone else. But the thing about that is like, it's, I think it's in part of, like, for sure they can't say, oh, yeah, if you get into a fly-in, then, like, 80% sure that you'll get into the school. But I think the reason that the stats for people that got into fly-ins and their um, acceptance into these schools are higher is because that they kind of use similar criteria sometimes when choosing people to that they accept into your fly-ins. Because usually if they accept you into your fly-in, you must have something that they want and or a quality about you that they um they want to add to their school so i think in that aspect it will kind of add um to your application once you apply for the actual school and then also the as jamik stated kind of like a demonstrated interest kind of thing that uh, you've taken the time to apply to this fly-in um you went and if they saw that you really liked it then they'll kind of factor that in when they're doing their decisions because i know a lot of like smaller schools they kind of worry about their yield rate because they never know if you're, oh, are you just applying to add a school to your list or do you actually really want to go? So I think fly-ins are a way for them to kind of um, gauge and see kind of if you're really interested in the school or not. Yeah, and I have a little bit of a different experience with it because the fly-in I went to before, the fly-in program as in like the pre-application program I went to was with Swarthmore, and they were very... They were much more explicit about it. They gave a statistic about how like 75% of people from last year's fly-in program actually got into the school. The person in charge of the program at the admissions office heavily, heavily implied that we were, he, he said these words and I remember them because they were just so just like strange to me. We were the quote cream of the crop, which made me a little uncomfortable, but you know, um, I don't know. It just like sounded weird, but it, I remember it because of how like heavily he was implying that this was much less of a experience for them to investigate us, but much of an experience for them to kind of impress us. Um, Oh, and I think that shows that each school has a different goal behind the flying program. Yeah. And it's just going to vary depending on which school you go to. And that's kind of one of the things you can look up before. And then also one of your questions you could ask while you're there to one of the students. Yeah. And one of the one of the other cool things about some of these flying programs is that oftentimes you'll be guaranteed an interview at the school. So for Swarthmore, they do an interview with mm-hmm. the high school. Senior. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah. Though, for the Bowden one, they had everyone who hadn't had a previous interview have an interview with either like a, a staff or an alumni there. And then also, I think as I mentioned in the last episode, for example, like schools like Rice, where not every single person is able to interview, they'll kind of, they'll tend to prioritize students that, that have been on their flying programs to get an interview. So um, that could be an advantage, I guess. Ni, um, did you have an alumni or a staff member when you interviewed? Well, so I actually interviewed before I went to the fly-in because the admission, like the regional admissions counselor actually went to our school and they had oh, like, so they had like three or four spots open some Saturday, like a few weeks before I went to the fly-in. So I had a different experience, but speaking to the other students that also went on the fly-ins, most of them had interviews with alumni because like it was at the alumni center or, um... I guess a few of them had interviews with like like upperclassmen advisors or like various people there. So it just really depends on, I guess, who they have available. Yeah, one thing that the reason why I asked that question is because if you go, get an interview at the fly-in program and you do it at the admissions office with either a senior who works there or a staff member, you should physically write a or write a physical thank you note and send it to the admissions office there. Um, I don't know. Obviously, this is just like my anecdotal story, and I don't even know if it's like causal, but I did that, and uh, Swarthmore gave me a full tuition scholarship, and I don't think my supplement was that great for them, so I don't know. That was kind of a... <laughs> my goal is... I feel like the tipping theories. point for me. Anyways. No, but like... Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get feel it. like it does make sense, mm-hmm. right? It's like going above and beyond. Yeah. People don't really like write letters mm-hmm. anymore. Like usually like right? an email or something. But that's also a thing. Yeah. Even if you can't go above and beyond like Michael, make sure you send them a thank you email or something like that. As we mentioned in episode 25 about interviews. Um, yeah. One or two days after... It is often very possible to do it for fly-in programs because you can just take the name of whoever was in charge of the program, mm-hmm. presumably some admissions officer, and just send them a card and address it to the admissions office. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's just like a no harm thing yeah. to do. You have to like buy a stamp and buy a thank you <laughs> note. So I don't know. And learn how, to, that, but... learn how to address an, um, a letter and like on the envelope because like yes. – Yes. You should. You would be surprised how many people don't know where the address goes. I constantly have to Google it every time I have to do something. Oh like my god! I know. I know. Michael, like when I was doing voter me. registration here, it was such a nightmare. Well, that was our episode on how to visit schools and fly-in programs generally. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Admissions Uncovered podcast. As always, we would love your support. We don't even want your money right now. Well, we kind of do. Uh, and if you do want to give us your money, you can go to patreon.com slash admissions.uncovered. But, but we really want your review on iTunes. And you can go do that for us at bit.ly slash aupodapple. And the reason why we love for you to give us a five-star review and leave us a nice little comment is because, one, it's totally free for you. And I know how broke high school students are, so I know how important that is. But number two, it also helps us reach new listeners. 
the way iTunes algorithm works is that podcasts that have a higher rating show up higher on the K through tell education results. So when someone Googles college admissions, if we have a higher ranking, we'll be more up there. So please go to bit.ly slash AUPodApple and leave a nice little five-star review. And for those of you who have stuck around till the very, very end, we have a little bit of a surprise. Uh, in a few weeks, we're going to do an episode where we anonymous, anonymously look at and talk about the ideas behind some supplement essays that some of you listeners have written. If you're interested in getting some anonymous feedback and comment from fellow students about your college essay, send us an email at admissions.uncovered at gmail.com. Just send us your name, the school you go to, and a attachment with the essay you want us to look at, and we, we will give you some feedback. We'll have that feedback on the podcast, and it'll be completely anonymous. We won't read your essay out loud, obviously. That would be a bad idea. We won't disclose your name at all, and so it'll be completely anonymous, but I think it'd be a really cool show if the listeners would pitch in and send in their supplements for a little bit of an anonymous review just send it over to admissions.uncovered at gmail.com and we'll, we'll leave it open for you know maybe two weeks maybe this is our christmas episode fancy our christmas special um so send it especially over. this one listener who's listening to, who's better be listening to this episode and wanted a name mention christian you better be sending us your supplements because i'm mentioning oh you God. right now him he's the listener yes and he wanted to name drop so he better <laughs> don't roast people on the podcast no. <laughs> i'm just That's kidding bad. christian i'm just kidding christian you're great see christian you got a lot of mentions so be sure to send in your supplement but it'll be anonymous you'll be good thanks for listening christian and so that was a little bit of a long outro but just remember to go rate us on itunes and send us your supplements for some anonymous review as always thank you so much for listening to this podcast we really appreciate it we love seeing those downloads go up we love seeing the help that we're able to give to students like us thanks so much for listening and we will see you next week welcome back to the admissions uncovered podcast with me (laughs) i was a i was about to read me dominic